Hey everybody and welcome in to episode 60 of Jake's Take. I am Jake Heller, pleased to be joining you guys once again. Hope everybody is having a beautiful Saturday morning, the first of two episodes today on Jake's Take. First up, going to recap the throwback weekend at Darlington Raceway and preview the two races this weekend at Dover International Speedway. And then later today, episode 61, a show talking about the 2021 NFL schedule that came out on Wednesday night, talking about some of the games that are the most appealing from week one to week 18. Obviously, this is the biggest regular season schedule we've ever had with the addition of the 17th game. So 272 games coming up for the National Football League in 2021. So pleased to be joining you guys once again. Last Saturday at Darlington Raceway, just a little before 1 o'clock, Dale Earnhardt Jr. in that beautiful black and silver number 8 GM Goodwrench Chevy Nova that his father drove in the NASCAR Busch Series to a win at Darlington Raceway in 1987, a weekend sweep at Darlington Raceway for that matter. It was very, very cool to see Dale Earnhardt Jr. take one of his father's old race cars for a couple laps around Darlington Raceway and just... A very special experience for himself. Obviously, driving down Darlington Raceway that morning with his two uncles, Danny Earnhardt and Robert G. Jr. Danny and Robert Jr., they both worked on that race car in Ralph Earnhardt's old garage in the early 1980s, along with his other uncle, Tony Uri Sr., as we all know. And Dale Earnhardt Jr. said really the only regret that he had from this past Saturday at Darlington was he really wished that Tony Uri Sr. and Tony Uri Jr. could have been there as well, along with Danny Earnhardt and Robert G. Jr. And also joining Dale Jr. on the trip down to Darlington was his brother-in-law, L.W. Miller. L.W. just making sure that the Nova was going to run good, that there wasn't going to be any leaks or anything before getting it out on the racetrack and before the race began. And it was really, really cool just seeing all of the drivers in the NASCAR Xfinity Series that just wanted to get their picture taken behind the wheel of one of Dale Earnhardt Sr.'s old Bush cars. Noah Gregson, obviously, who drives for Dale Earnhardt Jr., that was one of them. David Starr, Harrison Burton, Jeff Burton, his father, and obviously his colleague on NASCAR and NBC. It was just very, very cool to see Dale Earnhardt Jr. honoring his father like that. So the race got going just a little after 1 o'clock with... The two road course ringers, I guess you could say, A.J. Allmendinger and Austin Sendrick on the front row. Obviously, next weekend, Circuit of the Americas in Austin, Texas. I can definitely see it coming down to those two. But A.J. Allmendinger and Austin Sendrick on the front row. Lap four, Austin Sendrick took the lead. And it was shaping up to be a great battle on stage one between himself and Noah Gregson. As I said last week, you know, Noah... It seems like he's he's adapted very, very well to these old, worn-out, abrasive racetracks. Homestead Miami Speedway being one of them and Darlington being the other. Great battle that the two of them had early on in Stage 1, and Austin Sendrick would go on to win the first stage of the race. And Jason Boone's pick, Daniel Hemrick, he came to the party, took the lead on lap 49. And once again, just like we've been saying not just for many years, but especially this year being in that number 18 Toyota for Joe Gibbs Racing, is this the day that Daniel Hemrick finally gets that first NASCAR Xfinity Series win? And it was definitely looking like it early on. But I think one of the key factors was 
it was lap 84 going down to turn one when Jesse Little and Jeffrey Earnhardt got together. And obviously Jeffrey in that beautiful red, white, and blue 1996 Olympics paint scheme that his grandfather ran in the 1996 Winston All-Star Race. The two of them got together. And under caution, Daniel Hemrick stayed out, but his teammate Harrison Burton came in for tires. And sure enough, Harrison would go on to win the second stage of that race. But even then, it it was looking like Daniel was still in good position to get finally get that first Xfinity Series win, and wouldn't you know it, he had a left rear tire going flat under caution. From that point on, Noah Gregson getting back to the lead, him and Harrison Burton having some excellent battles and an excellent race car, excellent race cars for both of them. And then, with 20 laps to go, the bad blood between Gray Galding and Joe Graff Jr. continued with the two of them getting together on the backstretch and Joe Graff Jr. just piling into Gray Galding. And that's the last thing that those two teams need. With Jimmy Means in the 52, Gray Galding and Bobby Dodder in the 07, two underfunded underdog teams in the NASCAR Xfinity Series, the last thing that they need are two knuckleheads tearing up race cars like that. And <clears throat> on the subsequent restart, how about Josh Berry? Josh Berry driving that number eight Tire Pro Chevrolet with Dale Earnhardt Jr.'s 2001 MLB All-Star Game paint scheme taking the lead on lap 131. And this is a guy that knows him channeling Chris Collinsworth. Now, here's a guy, <laughs> but this is a guy, and Josh even said it after the race was over. I mean, he is, he is racing for his life out there. Obviously, having just 12 races in that number eight Xfinity car, Miguel Polito, he is going to be in the car next weekend at Circuit of the Americas, given his background in road racing. And Sam Mayer, who's done an excellent job coming up the ranks in the K&N E-Series and the Truck Series, Sam is going to take over that car June 27th at Pocono, just one day after turning 18. So obviously, Dale Earnhardt Jr. and Kelly Earnhardt Miller, they're trying their hardest to get Josh Berry full funding for the rest of 2021 to see if maybe, maybe he could run for that NASCAR Xfinity Series championship. But obviously, as I talked about, Joe Graff Jr. bringing out, out another caution that pretty much finished off his race car. And what an incredible moment that had to be for Dale Earnhardt Jr. and Kelly Earnhardt Miller. An incredible moment, but I'm sure nerve-wracking as well, seeing two of their cars battling it out for the win at Darlington Raceway. And paint schemes, one of them, a tribute to Dale Jr. in 2001. And for Justin Allgaier to be running Dale Earnhardt Sr.'s 2000 Taz paint scheme that he ran in the Daytona 500 that year. And Justin, he did take the lead on lap 138 on the restart after Joe Graff Jr. brought out the caution. But we were not done with caution flags yet. With four laps to go, Ryan Vargas in that beautiful Mark Martin 1993 Valvoline throwback paint scheme. He spun down in turn two. And once again, we had to deal with another restart and a green-white checker. And Josh Berry, he got an excellent restart, but Justin Allgaier got an even better one. And for the second time this year, and I mean especially after the slow start that he had gotten off to this year, Justin Allgaier, you could... He is definitely making a case to assert himself as the favorite for this championship in the NASCAR Xfinity Series. Now, think about it. Before he won at Atlanta, 
On March 20th, here was Justin's finishes on the season. 28th at Daytona, obviously got caught up in the big one. 26th on the Daytona road course. 38th at Homestead Miami Speedway, got caught up in a wreck very about halfway through the race. 14th at Las Vegas. And 8th at Phoenix when Jeb Burton tried to bulldoze the field at the end of the race there. But since then, I mean, he did win it at Atlanta. And he did finish 9th at Martinsville and 29th at Talladega before the rain came. But for Justin Allgaier, his second win of 2021, the 16th of his career in the NASCAR Xfinity Series. And Justin said after the race was over that this was monumental for him to check off two abrasive racetracks on the schedule that he has won at this year, Atlanta and Darlington. And later that night, it was talk about throwback weekend. It was so cool. There was a picture that surfaced on Facebook from about 2001. And it was Dale Earnhardt Jr., Kenny Wallace, and Kenny Schrader. The three of them, they were at Kenny's racetrack, dirt track, I-55 Raceway in Peebley, Missouri. And taking a picture with them was Justin Allgaier. Like I said, he was about 15 or 16 at the time. And the person that put this picture up on Facebook, they said, who would have thought in that picture that one day, 20-some years later, that Justin Allgaier would become the winningest driver in the history of junior motorsports? That's pretty incredible to think about. So the rundown from last Saturday at Darlington, Justin Allgaier with the win in that 2000 Dale Earnhardt Sr. Taz Paint Scheme, teammate Josh Berry in second. Brandon Jones was third. Noah Gregson fourth, three for three with the dash for cash in 2021. And Daniel Hemrick ran out the top five. Jeremy Clements sixth, Michael Annette seventh, Brett Moffat eighth, Ryan Sieg ninth, and Alex LeBay tenth. 11th was Harrison Burton, 12th Landon Castle, 13th A.J. Allmendinger, 14th Justin Haley, 15th was Tommy Joe Martins, had an excellent run, finished 5th in the first stage. Ryan Ellis, his first start of 2021, David Starr in the Richie Evans throwback paint scheme. Ty Gibbs, his worst finish in the Xfinity Series so far, 18th. And for his first time at Darlington, he was doing a hell of a job, but unfortunately sped on pit road twice. Myatt Snyder 19th and Jeb Burton 20th after wrecking on the last lap with no with uh, Austin Cindric, excuse me, and Austin took a pretty hard hit, but thankfully he was okay. Tanner Berryhill, J.J. Yaley, Timmy Hill, Brandon Brown, Bailey Curry, B.J. McLeod, Ryan Vargas, Riley Herbst, he got swept up in the wreck on the last lap as well. Colby Howard 29th, and Austin Cindric was 30th. He could not make it back to the start-finish line. 31st was Jeffrey Earnhardt, Jesse Little, 32nd, Kyle Weatherman, 33rd, Matt Jaskell, Jade Buford, Brandon Godovic, and out of the race, Joe Graff Jr., Gray Galding, Josh Williams, and Matt Mills. Now, after the race was over, obviously, Dale Earnhardt Jr., he had to speak to the media. And once again, the big elephant in the room, will 2022 finally be the year? that him and his older sister Kelly move up Junior Motorsports to the Cup Series in 2022, obviously with the next-gen car coming along, a lot of the cost-cutting measures, NASCAR is trying to cut down on that. And sure enough, the question was asked once again, and Dale Earnhardt Jr. said it himself, we're motivated to learn whether this is the time to do it or not. 
I think it's probably now or never. And how ironic Dale Earnhardt Jr., being a big Elvis fan that he is, it's now or never. And he's right. I mean, Junior Motorsports, they've been a part of the NASCAR Xfinity Series since November of 2005. And I know Dale Earnhardt Incorporated, for example, the team that his father had built, their first bush race was in 1984. Now, in 1996 and 1997, they did a few cup races here and there with the likes of Jeff Green, Robbie Gordon, and Steve Park before finally moving up to the Cup Series full-time in 1998. But obviously, there's a lot of pieces that, and a lot of stars that have to align in order for Junior Motorsports to make that leap to the Cup Series. Obviously, even with NASCAR cutting down on, on the cost-cutting measures, it's way more expensive than it is to run a NASCAR Xfinity Series team. And, of course, the other factor, too, is Rick Hendrick. Rick is a co-owner of Junior Motorsports. He has been since late 2007 when Dale Earnhardt Jr. was coming over to Hendrick Motorsports and they merged their two Bush Series programs together, and that helped elevate Junior Motorsports to the next level because up until that point, Dale said it himself from... November of 2005 until mid-2007 when they hired Brad Keselowski, they had been struggling badly, whether it was with Mark McFarlane or Shane Huffman, a couple top fives and top tens there, but a lot of, here and there, but a lot of torn up race cars. And of course, the sponsorship factor, having to look for a charter, so you're guaranteed a spot in all 36 races next year. And then of course, the driver. Now, as you guys know, Myself, personally, given what is going on at Team Penske right now with Brad Keselowski and the blatant disrespect by Roger Penske, we're going to talk about that in just a little bit. Obviously, in my opinion, I say this with my head, not my heart, but to me, I think Brad Keselowski would be the most logical choice if Junior Motorsports wants to make this leap to the Cup Series in 2022. And I know that he's going to be 38 years old at the start of next season. And I know that it's in his heart to stay at Team Penske and finish his career out there. But sometimes we change is good, as Dale Earnhardt Jr. said it himself back in 2014 before the season started, and they had created the new playoff format that we have now. So if you want to start a cup team and you need someone with experience and leadership and feedback that knows what they want in a race car, you've got to go with Brad Keselowski. There's not many free agents that are available after the 2021 season is complete. Brad Keselowski is one of them. Kurt Busch is one of them, but he's very committed to Chip Ganassi racing. And also, who knows if Kurt Busch is even wanting to race full-time after 2021. We'll get to that in a second. And then, of course, we also can't forget about Alex Bowman. Let's face it, Alex Bowman would not have gotten this far in the Cup Series if it wasn't for Dale Earnhardt Jr. taking that chance on him. And his contract is up at the end of 2021, but obviously Jeff Andrews said it himself when Alex won at Richmond last month that it is that Alex, Hendrick Motorsports, Rick Hendrick, Jeff Gordon, they're all working hard to give Alex a contract extension beyond 2021. So obviously, if not Brad Keselowski, then what are some of the other options? And one of them is Justin Allgaier, for instance, but Justin is going to be 35 years old in a couple weeks. 
The other option that I could think of is Noah Gregson. Noah is going to be 23 in July, and I know that he has a lot of growing up to do, but obviously he has the sponsorship backing and the personality. And Dale Earnhardt Jr. and Kelly Earnhardt Miller, they have said no matter no matter what, Noah Gregson, he his personality, they have 100% of his support. Talking about Dale Earnhardt Jr. and Kelly Earnhardt Miller. Now, after the race was over, Noah Gregson did make some news because he finished fourth but was disqualified. And the reason that he was disqualified was... Also, according to Rule 20.14C in the Xfinity Series rulebook, all suspension mounts and mounting hardware must not allow movement or realignment of any suspension and or drivetrain component beyond normal rotation or suspension and or drivetrain travel. So as a result, Noah was disqualified. And, originally, and then the dash for cash that he had won was given to A.J. Allmendinger. But obviously, Dale Earnhardt Jr. and Kelly Earnhardt Miller, they said that they were going to appeal it. And sure enough, the appeal was heard on Wednesday. And surprisingly, the penalty was thrown out. And they reinstated Noah's fourth place finish, and they gave him back the, the dash for cash. And Dale Jr. tweeted retweeted a tweet from 2018 when Justin Allgaier won at Dover and the car failed post-race inspection. And back then, you were allowed to keep the win. And he said that he wanted his teams at Junior Motorsports to push the envelope, but also respect the NASCAR in the process of, of penalizing someone. So Kelly Earnhardt Miller, she did release a statement on Wednesday evening after the penalty was thrown out. And Kelly said everyone at Junior Motorsports strives to bring four fast and competitive race cars to the track each and every week. And we are happy to see that ruling was overturned. The number nine team put together a race car that allowed Noah to win his third Dash for Cash prize and compete for the sweep this weekend at Dover International Speedway. So obviously, let's move ahead to today's NASCAR Xfinity Series race at Dover International Speedway. And before we get started, some big news came down yesterday morning regarding Justin Moneymaker Haley. Unfortunately, Justin will not be able to compete in today's Xfinity Series race at Dover or tomorrow's Cup Series race in the number 77 Chevrolet because of COVID-19 protocols. Taking his place in the number 11 Chevrolet today is Zane Smith. And Zane, when he did two Xfinity races for Junior Motorsports in 2019 at Dover, he finished ninth in both of those races. And he also did win the Truck Series race at Dover last year. Unfortunately, Dover is not a part of the Truck Series schedule this year. As we all know, they lost one of their race weekends. That went to Nashville Super Speedway, who is owned by the same company Dover as Dover Motorsports Incorporated. So today's Xfinity race, 1.30 on Fox Sports 1. Adam Alexander with the call. And joining him in the booth is Brad Keselowski, who won at Dover International Speedway in May of 2009, driving for Junior Motorsports. And on the poll is the number 18 of Daniel Hemrick. Once again, the question is going to be asked, is this the day? He finally gets that first NASCAR win. But starting alongside him in second is Justin Allgaier. And Justin, two wins at Dover International Speedway. 
One of them was May of 2018. And then last year when we had the doubleheader in August because of COVID-19, Justin won the Saturday race and Chase Briscoe won the Sunday race. Now, Justin, he is on baby watch. His wife, Ashley, is due at any given moment with their second child. But as of right now, it does not sound like, like she is in labor. So Justin Allgaier, he's got a great chance of winning today. Starting third is his teammate Noah Gregson. Fourth is Brandon Jones. And fifth is Harrison Burton. Sixth is Josh Berry. Josh ran the E-Series race yesterday at Dover and finished second. So he'll be starting sixth in today's race. And tomorrow, he will be making his NASCAR Cup Series debut, driving the number 77 Chevrolet that Justin Haley was supposed to drive. Seventh is A.J. Allmendinger. A.J. was terrific at Dover when he drove a Cup car. Came so close to winning there in 2010, driving for Richard Petty. Eighth is Jeremy Clements. What an amazing job him and his family team have done out of South Carolina. And ninth is Zane Smith, but obviously with the driver change, he'll have to go to the back of the field. Tenth is Brett Moffitt. Eleventh, Michael Annette. Twelfth, Ryan Sieg. Thirteenth, Jeb Burton. And fourteenth is Ty Gibbs, who won the East Series race at Dover yesterday. Fifteenth is Myatt Snyder. Sixteenth is Austin Sendrick, obviously after the last lap wreck at Darlington last week. 17th is Tommy Joe Martins, doing an incredible job. Talk about another family-owned team in the Xfinity Series. Alex LeBay, 18th. Brandon Brown, 19th. And Riley Herbst, 20th in the car that Chase Briscoe won at Dover with last year. 21st is David Starr, 22nd, Timmy Hill. Ryan Vargas, 23rd. BJ McLeod, 24th. 25th is Colby Howard. 26th is Bailey Curry. 27th is Cody Ware, and 28th is Jeffrey Earnhardt. His grandfather, Dale Senior, won here three times at Dover, both 1989 races in June of 1993, and his uncle, Dale Earnhardt Jr., three wins at Dover as well. Two Bush Series wins, the spring races of 1998 and 1999, and who could ever forget that emotional win in September of 2001, NASCAR's first race back after the terrorist attacks on September 11th, and Dale Earnhardt Jr. taking the American flag with him for a victory lap around the racetrack. 29th is Josh Williams. 30th is John Hunter Nemechek, his first Xfinity race since Miami in 2019, and his dad, Joe, has an Xfinity win at Dover back in the spring of 2003. 31st is J.J. Yaley. 32nd, Kyle Weatherman. Jesse Little, 33rd, Jade Buford, and 35th is Kyle Sieg, making his NASCAR Xfinity Series debut, obviously the younger brother of Ryan Sieg. 36th is Joe Graff Jr., 37th, Landon Castle, Matt Jaskell, Matt Mills, and Gray Galding. That is your field for today's Xfinity race at Dover International Speedway. 200 laps, stage 1, lap 45, stage 2, lap 90. So the way I look at it for today's race... Obviously, I feel like Daniel Hemrick, I feel like he's going to be competitive, and I feel like he's going to put himself in a great position to possibly get that first NASCAR win. But ultimately, at the end of the day, I have to go with the number seven of Justin Allgaier, back-to-back weekends. Justin, there's just something about him with concrete racetracks. His first Xfinity win was at Bristol in 2010 when he was driving for Roger Penske. And obviously, two Xfinity wins here with Junior Motorsports. I feel like he is definitely the man to beat today. 
I think some of the other guys, I do feel like his teammate Josh Berry, just all of the experience that he's had on the racetrack so far this weekend, I feel like it's going to pay off. And obviously Harrison Burton, his father Jeff, won here in 2006. The Bush Series race in June and the Cup race in September. I feel like those are the guys that are going to be factors today at Dover International Speedway. Now, last Sunday at Darlington Raceway, Mother's Day, and also NASCAR's throwback race on the front row was Brad Keselowski and Kevin Harvick. Kevin with that beautiful white and black Mobile One throwback to his very first cup car in 2001. That white GM Goodwrench car with the black numbers obviously taking over for the late, great Dale Earnhardt Sr. But even with Brad Keselowski on the pole, I knew that his time at the front was not going to last very long. Obviously, he was without his crew chief, Jeremy Bullins, because of COVID-19 protocols. And even though Brad led the first four laps of the race, when Kevin passed him for the lead on lap five, Brad dramatically dropped like a rock from first to ninth in 15 laps. And before that, not only was he out of the top 10, he got lapped before the end of the first stage. So when the hell is Roger Penske going to realize this is now two weeks in a row that he is without Jeremy Bullins because of COVID-19 protocols. And for the second week in a row, you have Grant Hutchins as the interim crew chief. Let's make no bones about it. This guy is a horrible interim crew chief. He did a horrible job at Atlanta, four laps down in 28th, a track that Brad has won at twice in the Cup Series. You go to Darlington, a track that he won at in 2018, and you finish three laps down in 24th. You can't, even, you can't even finish on the lead lap in the first stage. Are you serious? And once again on Tuesday, once the announcement was made that Jeremy Bowens was going to have to miss Dover, you still have Grant Hutchins as the interim crew chief? Are you kidding me? Like I, like I talked about, this is the blatant disrespect that Roger Penske has shown for Brad Keselowski for the past year and a half. You take away Paul Wolf, you take away the two crew, you pair him with, let's face it, the worst of the three pit crews at Team Penske, Ryan Blaney's old 12 crew. Jeremy Bowens has done a hell of a job, but when he was suspended for Atlanta, and obviously this is a serious situation with COVID-19 protocols, why not just have Brian Wilson, Austin Center's Xfinity crew chief, why not just have him stay? Stay overnight, call the shots on Sunday. Obviously, he has plenty of experience with Brad Keselowski. That was his engineer when he won the 2012 championship. That was his engineer when he won at Dover in September 2012. And when Paul Wolf was suspended for a few races in 2017. Hmm. Brian Wilson was the interim crew chief. They finished second at California and Kansas. They were 7th at Talladega, and they were 3rd at Sonoma. Like I said, if I were Brad Keselowski, I would want absolutely nothing to do with Team Penske after 2021 because it's obvious that he is at the bottom of the barrel as far as Rogers' NASCAR priorities go. Blatant disrespect. That's what it all boils down to. And obviously, like I said, I know there's not many options. I know I talked about Junior Motorsports. I know there's talk about 23XI possibly expanding to a second team in 2021. 
But beyond that, when I talked to Josh Manley about it, once the word came down that Jeremy Bullins was going to miss Dover, and I, I'm calling it right now, Brad Keselowski tomorrow, he's going to finish four laps down in 26th. But Josh Manley said, as far as what he wants Brad to do for 2022, he's hoping that Eric Almarola, who brought out the first caution of the race on lap five when he crashed on the backstretch, after Ricky Stenhouse Jr. got into him, and sure enough, Eric whined about it and said, like, oh, I can't believe the season that I'm having. Well, you know, if you weren't running in the back so often, then maybe you wouldn't be in those kind of positions. And like me and Josh talked about, why is Smithfield wasting their money on Eric Almarola year after year after year? Get him out of the 10 car and put Brad Keselowski in there, obviously a proven champion and winner, and watch not only the 10 team, but Stuart Haas Racing as a whole elevate and watch Chase Briscoe and Cole Custer finally start to perform and live up to their potential. Anyway, let's get back to the race. Kyle Busch, he passed Kevin Harvick for the lead on lap 14, and he was one lap away from leading the 18,000th lap in his career when he had a tire go down and he spun down in turn four. One lap away. So from that point on, his teammate Martin Trex Jr. inherited the lead, and it was good night for the rest of the field the rest of the day. I'll tell you what. What a race car that James Small prepared for him that day. Oh, my God. To lead 248 out of 293 laps. And, I mean, really, the only time that Martin would lose the lead would be during a sequence of, of green flag pit stops. That was about it. And I know that <clears throat> he went on to win the first stage, and Denny Hamlin, his teammate, he stayed out under the caution flag. But sure enough, Martin retook the lead just like that. And from that point on, I know that there were a lot of fans that complained, oh, this was a boring race, this was a boring race. Well, first off, you wanted the 750 horsepower low downforce package. You wanted a tire that would wear out like we see at Darlington all the time. I mean, that surface is like 80-grit sandpaper. What more do you want? Yeah, I get it that Martin kicked everybody's ass last Sunday at Darlington, but aside from that, there were so many other great battles throughout the field. I mean, this is just what happens every now and then, that you you just get one car that is just too strong for the rest of the field. But beyond that, there were, like I said, there were so many other great battles, obviously. You look at the two Kyles, Larson and Bush. You look at William Byron. I mean, what what more do you want talking about the race fans what more do you want anyway on lap 100 as i talked about the struggles for Stuart haas racing they continue quinn huff he bounced off the wall into anthony alfredo and anthony alfredo he bounced into cole custer and cole spun and hit the inside wall really really hard thankfully he was okay but man like i said what a disastrous season for Stuart Haas Racing, aside from obviously Kevin Harvick, who's carried the banner for them forever. And then on lap 108, going down the front stretch, Bubba Wallace, he gets into Kurt Busch. Kurt spins and hits the inside wall, and the car catches on fire. And it really, really makes you wonder, the season that Kurt Busch is having, and that cryptic video that he sent out two days before the Daytona 500, is this finally going to be it for Kurt Busch after 21 
full-time seasons as a NASCAR Cup Series driver? Is he finally going to hang it up after 2021? I mean, especially the way that his year has gone. And, I mean, it's getting to the point right now that his rookie teammate, Ross Chastain, is outperforming him. And even though Ross is showing improvement, it still makes you wonder if at some point if there's going to be crew chief shakeups at Ganassi between Matt McCall and Phil Surgeon. makes you wonder if there's going to be crew chief shakeup at Stuart Haas Racing. Cole Custer and Eric Almirola, they are well outside the top 20 in points right now after both of them made the playoffs last year. But, man, Martin Trex Jr., like I said, nobody had anything for him that day. And when he won the second stage, he had a 14-second lead, 14 seconds over his teammate, Kyle Busch. And so I know that the race went green the entire third stage, but Martin Trex Jr. goes on to score his third win of 2021, his second at Darlington, and the 30th of his career and as he keyed the mic as he crossed the start-finish line, he told his team, his crew chief, James Smalley, said, that was an ass-whipping, boys. <laughs> it sure was. And even with Kyle Larson, me and Josh Manley, we were texting towards the end of the race. And Josh said, he's like, Larson is going to have something for, for Truex at the end. And, I mean, he was flying, coming back from an early speeding penalty. And that move that he made three wide through the middle, the two lap cars of Ryan Newman and Tyler Reddick, I mean, that was definitely the move of the race right there. But obviously, he just didn't have anything for, for Truex, who went on to win by two and a half seconds. So Martin Trex Jr., your winner at Darlington. Kyle Larson in second. Kyle Busch, third. An amazing recovery by him after that tire went down. William Byron, Willie B. Woo! 10 consecutive top 10 finishes, 10 consecutive at 23 years old. The last Hendrick driver to do it was the driver of the 24 car, Jeff Gordon, all the way back in 2007, that amazing season that he had. And Jeff Gordon, his streak started. Now, he crashed out of the Coca-Cola 600 at Charlotte. His streak began, ironically, excuse me, his streak began ironically at Dover International Speedway in the June race of 2007 that day. And he rattled off finishes of ninth at Dover. He won at Pocono in the rain. Ninth at Michigan. Seventh at Sonoma. Second at New Hampshire. Fifth at Daytona. Ninth at Chicagoland. Third at Indianapolis. Fourth at Pocono. And ninth at Watkins Glen. Ultimately, Jeff's top 10 streak, it came to an end at Michigan, that Tuesday morning race when Matt Kenseth spun him out and he got stuck in the grass and he lost the lap and finished 27th. What an amazing streak by William Byron. The maturity that he has shown, especially at 23 years old, and especially everything that he is going through right now with his mother beginning to go under tre- undergo treatment for the brain tumor and how he talked about how he was just so excited to get home later that night and spend time with his mother. Definitely one of the feel-good stories of 2021 so far, seeing William Byron start to mature into a championship contender. And it's it's definitely a feel-good story, especially with everything he has going on right now. Fifth was Denny Hamlin. I still can't believe that he hasn't won a race yet this year. Sixth was Kevin Harvick. Seventh was Chase Elliott after he had to start at the back of the field. Ryan Blaney was eighth. And Ryan Blaney, 
I mean, he had struggled badly at Darlington throughout his career. Never a top 10 finish at Darlington until this past Sunday, especially after Alex Bowman tried to squeeze him into the wall towards the end of the race. Chris Buescher and Ryan Newman, two Roush cars in the top 10 for the first time since October of 2017 at Martinsville Speedway when Trevor Bain and Ricky Stenhouse Jr. got top 10 finishes there. Chase Briscoe tied a career-best finish of 11th going back to Talladega a few weeks prior. I mean, he said it himself that he was going to do great at Darlington, obviously an old, worn-out racetrack like that. 12th was Tyler Reddick. I know a lot of people expected a little more out of him. 13th, Joey Logano. 14th, Christopher Bell, who had a speeding penalty. 15th was Ross Chastain. 16th, Austin Dillon. 17th was Alex Bowman. I mean, like I said, he ran into Ryan Blaney and had a bit of a tire rub and had a pit under green. And even after that lucky win at Richmond, Alex Bowman has not had a single top 10 finish ever since then. Wrecked at Talladega on his birthday. Drove into Bubba Wallace at Kansas. Hit the wall, had a pit under green, finished 18th, and now 17th at Darlington. Hmm. Eric Jones was 18th, first time he's ever finished outside the top 10 at Darlington Raceway, and it, it doesn't even have anything to do with driving the 43 for Richard Petty Motorsports. He had a top 10 car last Sunday at Darlington, but unfortunately he ran into some tire issues. 19th was Matt Benedetto, and 20th was Ricky Stenhouse Jr. 21st was Bubba Wallace, Corey LaJoy 22nd in what was voted the best throwback in Alan Kowicki's old 1989 Xerox paint scheme. Daniel Suarez, 23rd. Brad Keselowski, another way around it. Pathetic, unacceptable, and pitiful performance by Grant Hutchins this past Sunday at Darlington Raceway. Three laps down in 24th, and it's not going to get any better tomorrow. As I said, I'm predicting Brad under the guidance of... Grant Hutchins to finish four laps down in 26th tomorrow. 25th was Ryan Priest. 26th was Anthony Alfredo. I'm sure both of them will beat Brad Keselowski tomorrow. As I, as I said, that's how, how much of a pathetic job Grant Hutchins has done. 27th, Michael McDowell. 28th, Justin Haley. 29th, J.J. Yaley. 30th was Quinn Huff. 31st was James Davison. B.J. McLeod, 32nd. 33rd was Josh Balicki. And out of the race, Cody Ware, Kurt Busch, Cole Custer, and Eric Almarola. That was the throwback race at Darlington Raceway. So, Brad Keselowski will not be the only Penske driver without his crew chief tomorrow. After the race was over, two loose lug nuts were found on the number 22 car of Joey Logano. And because of that, Paul Wolf has been suspended from tomorrow's race at Dover International Speedway. But hey, I guess it pays off when you have a competent engineer on your, your, your best team, your number one team at Team Penske, and that's Jonathan Hassler. Jonathan, he's going to be the interim crew chief for Joey Logano tomorrow. And Jonathan was actually Matt Benedetto's interim crew chief at Martinsville Speedway last month when... Matt's crew chief, Greg Irwin, had tested positive for COVID-19. And under the guidance of Jonathan Hassler, Matt DiBenedetto finished 
12th at Martinsville Speedway. And I guess you could say that, that was really the turning point of his season when you think of it. I mean, he I know that he struggled a little bit this this past weekend at Darlington, but hey, I mean, he's been rattling off some top 10 finishes. So I think Joey Logano, no matter what, even without Paul Wolf tomorrow, I do feel like he can definitely get a top 10 finish out of it. But let, I mean, let's face it, Ryan Blaney is definitely going to be the best of the Penske Bunch tomorrow at Dover International Speedway. So tomorrow, the Drydeen 400 at Dover International Speedway. As I said, their only race for 2021. They lost their other race to Nashville Super Speedway. That will be making their Cup Series debut on Father's Day weekend, on Father's Day, actually, June 20th. So tomorrow's race, the Drydeen 400 at Dover International Speedway, 2 o'clock on Fox Sports 1. Mike Joy, five-time Dover winner Jeff Gordon, and Clint Boyer, two Xfinity wins at Dover International Speedway. They will be providing the call. 400 laps around the Monster Mile. Stage 1, lap 120, and stage two, lap 240. And obviously, this is a concrete surface. Dover International Speedway has been a concrete racetrack since June of 1995. The first race on the concrete was won by Kyle Petty. That ended up being the last of Kyle's eight victories on his career. Starting on the pole, to no surprise, obviously, with the dominant win that he had Last Sunday at Darlington Raceway is Martin Truex Jr. And I know it's a running joke with Martin Truex Jr. Oh, Dover is his home track. Pocono is his home track. Watkins Glen is his home track. New Hampshire is his home track. Charlotte is his home track. Ultimately, Martin Truex Jr., being from Mayetta, New Jersey, he considers Dover to be his home racetrack. Which, I mean, it's kind of confusing. I don't know how far it is from Mayetta to Dover compared to Mayetta to Pocono. I always thought Martin would consider Pocono to be his home track, but I guess it's Dover. So Martin did win two Xfinity races there, driving for Dale Earnhardt Jr. in their two championship seasons together, 2004 and 2005. And he does have three cup wins at Dover International Speedway, the first of his career, June of 2007. Ultimately ended up being the final victory for Dale Earnhardt Incorporated in the Cup Series. And Martin, how about this? Three wins at Dover with three different teams. He won there in the fall of 2016, driving the 78 car for Furniture Row. And he did win there in May of 2019, his first year with Joe Gibbs Racing. Starting second will be his teammate, Denny Hamlin. Denny, he did win the Saturday race at Dover last year, the doubleheader weekend that we had. Third is William Byron. Willie B. Woo! William Byron finished fourth in the Sunday race at Dover last year. And I guess you could say that was the turning point of not only his season, but his career. Now, the Saturday race last year, him and Chad Knauss, they had that that blow up on the radio with each other, and Chad said, I'm trying to effing help you. That Saturday, he finished about 27th or 28th. And, I mean, man, talk about it. And burning the midnight oil to finish fourth to get that first win of his career the next weekend at Daytona. And he definitely could have made it to the round of 12. He got a top five in the Southern 500, ultimately to get wrecked by Joey Yase at Bristol. Him and Rudy Fugel. Dark horse candidate for the championship for this year at Phoenix, for sure. 
Starting fourth is his teammate, Kyle Larson. Kyle, always been incredible at Dover. And a matter of fact, his final win with Chip Ganassi Racing came at Dover in October of 2019. But let's not forget Kyle. Obviously, when he was suspended by NASCAR last year, he did not take part in either Dover race. Starting fifth is Kevin Harvick. Kevin has three wins at Dover. October 2005, which was a must-win situation. We know how him, Rodney Childers, and that four team, how they always thrive in, in those situations. Kevin won there in May of 2018, and he won the Sunday race at Dover last year in dominant, and I mean dominant fashion, leading 223 out of 311 laps. And starting alongside him is another three-time Dover winner, Kyle Busch. Kyle got his first race with Joe Gibbs Racing there in June of 2008. He won. And his other two wins at Dover, May of 2010 and October of 2017 when he passed Chase Elliott with two laps to go. So how about that? Martin Trex Jr., three wins at Dover, three different teams, three completely different crew chiefs. Kevin Bono, or actually Cole Pern, two of them. But Kevin Mannion, that was his crew chief for his first win. But Kyle Busch, three wins at Dover, three different crew chiefs. Steve Addington, the first one. Dave Rogers in 2010 and Adam Stevens in 2017. Starting seventh is Ryan Blaney. Ryan has an Xfinity win at Dover in the fall of 2017. Chase Elliott, he will be starting eighth. Chase won there in the fall of 2018. Joey Logano in ninth without his crew chief Paul Wolf, But Joey himself, four consecutive Xfinity wins at Dover. And rounding out the top 10 is Chris Busher. Chris won the Xfinity race there in the spring of 2015, his championship season. What an incredible driver. Josh Manley, he'll, he'll be the first to tell you. Starting 11th is Christopher Bell, two Xfinity wins at Dover the fall of 2018 and the spring of 2019. Tyler Reddick in 12th. Tyler has a truck series win at Dover all the way back in 2015, driving for Brad Keselowski. Ryan Newman in 13th, three wins at Dover, both races in 2003 and the fall race of 2004. Austin Dillon in 14th. Starting 15th is Brad Keselowski. Like I said, he won there in Xfinity in May of 2009, driving for Junior Motorsports, and Brad did win at Dover in September of 2012, less than two months before winning that Cup Series championship. But obviously, without Jeremy Bolins, it's going to be a very, very long day for Brad Keselowski and the two crew tomorrow. Starting in 16th is Alex Bowman. Alex is in the 48th. And we know about the 48's history at Dover with Jimmy Johnson, 11 wins at Dover. But I'll tell you what, Alex himself, ever since he, he went over to Hendrick Motorsports, he's no slouch at Dover. And you know that that's a lot coming from me. <laughs> but both races in 2019, he finished second in May and third in October. And then last year, after wrecking in the Saturday race, he came all the way from the back of the field to finish fifth on Sunday. So... I know I said look out for Alex Bowman at Kansas Speedway, and he was a non-factor all day, but I'm sure he's definitely going to be a factor at some point tomorrow. Chase Briscoe in 17th, like I said, he won the Sunday Xfinity race at Dover last year. Matt DiBenedetto in 18th. Ross Chastain in 19th. Ross, Ross runs really, really good at Dover. I know that's Xfinity, but like I said, I'm starting to see a bit of a turnaround from him. 
20th is Ricky Stenhouse Jr. 21st, Michael McDowell. 22nd is Bubba Wallace. 23rd is Eric Jones. Eric, he won the spring race in the Xfinity Series at Dover in 2016. And Daniel Suarez, he won the fall Xfinity race at Dover in 2016, just one month before the championship. Ryan Priest in 25th. Corey LaJoy, 26th. His dad has a pair of Xfinity Series wins at Dover. Anthony Alfredo, 27th. Kurt Busch. Kurt won the first truck race at Dover in 2000. Ironically, that was the weekend he made his cup debut. And he finished 18th behind none other than Dale Earnhardt Jr. and Sr. And Kurt has a Cup Series win at Dover, October of 2011. That ended up being his last with Team Penske. Justin Haley, he was scheduled to start in 29th, but obviously he is out due to COVID-19 protocols. But making his NASCAR Cup Series debut tomorrow in 29th is Josh Berry. Triple header weekend for Josh Berry. 30th is Cole Custer. Cole has an Xfinity win at Dover in October of 2019. BJ McLeod, 31st. Eric Almirola, 32nd. He got his first Trek win at Dover in 2010. And Eric has always seemed to run very, very good at Dover, no matter if it was the 43 or the 10. 33rd is James Davison. 34th, Cody Ware. Quinn Huff, Garrett Smithley, and Josh Balicki. That is your starting field for tomorrow's NASCAR Cup Series race at Dover. Now, when I look at tomorrow, obviously, like I said, I don't expect much out of the Penske cars. Obviously, when your top two drivers are without their crew chiefs, talking about Joey Logano and Brad Keselowski. I think Ryan Blaney, I think he's definitely worthy of getting a top five, but I don't know if he has the speed to contend for the win. I think ultimately tomorrow, I think it's going to be a battle of Joe Gibbs Racing and Hendrick Motorsports. Obviously, Martin Trex Jr. and Denny Hamlin, I know people, they're still waiting. When is Denny going to get that first win? When is Denny going to get that first win in 2021? Seems like he's choked away a lot of them. But I think all of the Hendrick cars, like I said, Byron, Larson, Chase Elliott, and even Alex Bowman, I feel like the four of them, I feel like they're, they are definitely going to be strong. Kevin Harvick, I know that he they've shown a little bit of potential the past few weeks, but I think Kevin, he'll be the first to tell you, and Rodney Childers, they're definitely not where they want to be just yet. The great thing about Dover, Dover, it's almost like a bigger Bristol. It's a one-mile concrete racetrack. And obviously, <clears throat> excuse me, there was a lot of grooves that you could run, the bottom, the middle, the top. I think Kyle Larson, I think he's going to be the first one to get that top groove running, like we've seen so many times at Bristol, but at Dover especially. I think the biggest thing we got to watch for today and tomorrow, with this being a concrete surface, is tire wear. I know that the East Series race last evening, I know there was a lot of tire failures in that race. I know that's general tire that they run on, but obviously with Goodyear, you definitely have to be careful and look out for tire issues tomorrow. I mean, Dale Earnhardt Jr. throughout his career, I cannot think of a track where he had more tire issues at than Dover. And he'll be the first to tell you that he wishes Dover, as much as he loves Bristol Motor Speedway, he wishes that Dover would go back to asphalt like it was from 1969 to 1994. Because so many times when I would go down to Dover and I'd be listening to him on the scanner, he would always talk about how the tires felt like basketballs every time that he would go into the corner. 
And the first Dover race I went to in September of 2002, he had the car to beat, two flat tires. I went there in September of 2008, right where a tire blows out coming out of turn four. And so many other times he had loose wheels at Dover. So I feel like ultimately it's going to be all about tire management. You're going to have to worry about wearing that right front or that right rear wearing out. And I think it's all going to be about getting that upper groove worked in. So ultimately, me and Jason Boone, we both agreed on picking the number seven of Justin Allgaier for today's Xfinity race at Dover. I hope you're ready for this, folks. For tomorrow's NASCAR Cup Series race at Dover International Speedway, Jason Boone is going with the number 48 Ally Chevrolet of Alex Bowman. Boone, you're lucky I love you. <laughs> like a brother. <laughs> I'll forgive you. <laughs> okay? But obviously, Alex with, like I said, the history of the 48 at Dover, the 11 wins by Jimmy Johnson, and even Alex himself, the top fives that he has managed at Dover International Speedway throughout his time at Hendrick Motorsports, I feel like he definitely will be strong tomorrow. But ultimately, I got to go with the hot hand. And I got to go with the guy that considers Dover to be his home track. I've got to go with the guy that is the only multi-time winner on the season when you think of it. I mean, we've had so many. Think of it. Think of all the different winners we've had so far this year. Michael McDowell in the Daytona 500. Christopher Bell in the Daytona Road Course. Willie B at Miami. Larson at Las Vegas. Ryan Blaney at Atlanta, a track that he was horrible at most of his career early on. Joey Logano on the dirt at Bristol. Who saw that coming? And, of course, Bowman at Richmond. Everything just sort of fell into place for him at the end. Brad Keselowski, he only led one lap at Talladega, but it was the one that mattered. Kyle Busch on his birthday at Kansas. But other than that, Martin Trex Jr., Phoenix, Martinsville, Darlington, these are tracks that are going to be critical, and I mean critical races, in the playoffs. Phoenix is a championship race. Martinsville is the penultimate race of the year. And Darlington is what kicks off the playoffs now. There is no doubt in my mind, Martin Trex Jr., James Small, and that 19 team, they are the clear-cut favorites for this championship. And like Josh Manley said, I mean, I mean really, who's his strongest competition? I mean, yeah, his teammate Denny Hamlin, but Denny, it seems like they can't, they can't find a way to victory lane yet this year. And me, Josh Manley, and to a degree Jason Boone, we all feel like probably Truex's biggest threat for this championship is going to be Kyle Larson. And from that point on, that fourth driver in the championship four, it's pretty much a free-for-all. Is it William Byron? Is it Joey Logano? Is it Chase Elliott, our defending champion, who doesn't even have a win yet this year? So ultimately, I got to go with the hot hand, and I got to go with the number 19 of Martin Trex Jr. to go to Victory Lane tomorrow at Dover International Speedway. So that's going to do it for episode 60 of Jake's Take. I appreciate you guys tuning in. And later on today, we will be talking about the 2021 NFL schedule. Have a great day. Talk to you soon. Y'all take it easy.